Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Andrea Johnson. And here's a bit about Andrea. Andrea is definitely a woman on a mission, y'all, and she definitely has an impressive bio. Her personal story of childhood obesity, bulimia, and depression, early menopause, gastric bypass surgery, and even adoption are all threads in the lovely tapestry of her journey leading leading to where she is now. In February 2017, her mother finished her 15-year fight with breast cancer and the reflective nature of grief allowed her to purposely walk through the pain and anxiety and emerge as if from a crucible holding the gem of intentional optimism. The six tenths are optimistic, present, energetic, courageous, wise, and intentional. Her personal growth plan, a comprehensive approach to personal growth and leadership training viewed through the lens of hope. Never underestimate your impact on those around you. Our stories are powerful and we have a responsibility to share. We all lead at every level in any area using your unique gifts. We are the answer and the role models for future generations. She is also certified by the John Maxwell team, an international leadership coaching organization, and a certified DISC, DISC Behavioral Analysis Consultant. And without further ado, please welcome Andrea Johnson to GEMS Podcast. Hey, Genesis, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Wow, what an impressive background. And I'm so glad to hear that your mom has beat breast cancer after battling for 15 years. That's a long time. Well, actually, um, she didn't, she didn't beat it. She, we actually lost her in 2017. So yeah. Um, but that was literally the catalyst. People don't understand sometimes how grief can really do that for you. Um, because grief is a really hard thing, but, um, that has been a topic that other podcasters have wanted to, to discuss is that grief was literally the catalyst that helped me become who I needed to be and make the changes I needed to make. And um, it was a rough road and nobody wants to travel that at all, but it still was a road that I'm grateful to have traveled. And I'm so sorry for your loss and you. uh, misrepresenting me. And I could definitely validate where you're coming from. I lost my dad in November of 2020 mm. and losing a parent is a different type of sting. And that grief journey is a hell of a ride. Uh, I is. lost yeah, so it's just been crazy. I lost four things back to back. My dad, my job from oil and gas, and both grandmothers all within oh, a year and a half. I am so sorry. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. 
But I'm glad that, you know, you and I are now on the other side of it because now we're able to help people who may be grieving or to really know that there are different levels in the grief journey and how you react to certain situations is what's going to be the catalyst of where you're going to go. And that's mm-hmm. one reason why I like your mm-hmm. six tenths that I mentioned and the intentional optimism. So I really want to um, unpack that because I think that is amazing. And sure. had you not endured what you did, Andrea, you wouldn't probably be here talking to me about it. Well, I would still be procrastinating. <laughs> I'd still be thinking about it and grumbling in my job and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) So let's frame up the conversation. And before you got to intentional optimism, what did your life look like? And outside of your mom battling breast cancer, what was the other catalyst that led you to forming the six tents? So I I have a history of uh, bulimia and depression. You shared my gastric bypass story and I battled over being overweight all my life. And it wasn't until I was 20, I turned 20 in the hospital. I turned, sorry, my my watch just decided to chime in. Um, I turned 20 in the hospital for um, a 12 week program where the first, that is the very first time I ever learned any kind of personal growth principles, or you have the opportunity to change your thoughts and to change the way you to do things. And that was the very first tools I received the very first, Hey, you can actually meditate and think. And that experience of being in a 12 week program was the start of my 30 year journey. Yeah. So that was the the very beginning. And then, you know, it takes a while. Personal growth is not something that happens overnight. It is something that happens for a long time. I also have a history of working in really nice universities in the schools of medicine. I worked for Johns Hopkins for 11 years and the University of Virginia for 11 years. And in that, I learned how to do research administration and work with doctors and clinical trials and all the NIH regulations and that kind of thing. But I also learned in my last job, my last six years there, I learned that I really enjoyed working with people and I really, I I mean, I knew I liked people, right? I mean, it's just, (laughs) um, I, that is the one thing I can do for sure is I can meet people and I can relate to people. But what I didn't know is that I really enjoyed helping people grow. And I really enjoyed helping people see their own strengths and learn how they could become more than they were. And um, when you're a manager, it's a little harder to do that because not everybody is there to grow. Some people are there to get a paycheck, totally valid. That's their choice. (laughs) But my goal was always to be bigger and better. And it was fostered by a couple of bosses I had. One of them kept every time he would do an evaluation, he would say, Andrea can do so much more. You know, I mean, we're glad to have her here, but she has the potential to do so much more. And it was finally after about six years of him saying that, that I decided potential was no longer going to be a four letter word to me. And I was going to take advantage of it. And that's when I started growing on my own career path. But when I started managing others, I realized, you know what, I might want to really help people grow. And that's when I started looking at coaching. And, you know, when you walk through journeys like grief or the grief of infertility, I went through early menopause, we were married 14 years, and um, it was very disappointing to think that I couldn't have a child. And then to go through 
the private adoption process, which is never easy. It's never perfect. It never works out exactly right. Losing child after child. And, you know, one that was like, we were invested and we knew this couple and it was perfect. And then it was like, poof, gone. After we'd already paid a lawyer fee, we lost probably six adoptions before the exact right child came into our life. And, you know, when you learn the patience of that and the perseverance of that and being undaunted in the face of all those challenges, they make, they change you, right? They, they make you a different person. So the last piece of all of that was my mother dying in February of 2017. And I said, you know, I'm, what I'm mostly going to miss about her is that she was very, it's a very old fashioned world word. Are you familiar with the word sanguine? She was very, she was bubbly. It's, um, it's very in the disc, like you actually, I'm glad you spelled it out, but in the disc D I S C um, behavioral analysis report, there's four quadrants that you fall somewhere in the middle of all of those. And it's mostly how you communicate and interact with others. My mother fell in the quadrant of what we call um, sanguine, the old fashioned word, or the, um, the influencer. She would walk into a room and it was like somebody popped a bottle of champagne. I mean, it was just like bubbles. Now, of course, those bubbles would go away and she would have to recharge. And then she'd come in. It's like, Judy's here. And that was one of the things I missed. I knew I was going to miss desperately about her. And early on in my grief, that was one of the things I missed the most. But I also was raised overseas. My parents were missionaries. And so the Christian faith has been very strong in my family. And she was a very good example of how to grow spiritually. So I decided I really wanted to look at what it was about her life that I wanted to emulate because our personalities are really not very similar. Um, I was always quote unquote, the black sheep. Um, My sister has like the same personality type as my mom. And so I was the thinker. My dad called me a belly button gazer. And, um, but at the same time, I still feel very extroverted most of the time. I'm very people oriented. And I said, I really want to sit down and write all this stuff out. That's kind of like banging around in my head. And I made like list after list after list and sheet after sheet. And finally I got it in this spreadsheet. And I realized after the other piece of that too, was my mom loved the, and I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but, or if your listeners will be, but she loved the specific, um, amazing woman described in Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. And she loved her. It's like, um, so this is the, the real quick background of that is this is not most of Proverbs written by Solomon, but this particular one was not, this is by King Lemuel. And his mom basically said, time for you to get married. Here's what you should look for. And I always thought of her as this, you know, homeschooling, candor food, you know, this kind of woman makes her own clothes. But as we were packing my dad up to leave his house and move into an apartment, I rediscovered this beautiful calligraphy print that my dad had given my mom when she retired. And it was in Hebrew, like with gold and everything done, it was this passage. And I thought, that's really beautiful. Why is it that she loved that so much? Because I felt like my mom was very underestimated as a woman. She was from Southeast Texas. She was a motor mouth. She had this lovely accent and she had all this energy, but she was smart as a whip. And she did things on the mission field that 
other women couldn't do. And she worked with the International Red Cross with a volunteer designation that would put her at the level of like a colonel. And I mean, she did all these international things. And so she was always very underestimated. And I was like, why does she love this passage so much? So I started going back into it and I realized, oh, it's because that woman is amazing. She's a businesswoman. She is a philanthropist. She buys a field. She's a real estate developer. She's a, she, um, she clothes all of her people, even her servants in the best clothes. I mean, it's like Prada, right? I mean, she did all of those things and she was so well-revered that even her husband was well-known in the gates of the town, which is basically where the really important guys hung out. And so you're, did you have a question? Sorry, I yes. No, because <laughs> I was just really relating to that because there is a ministry called the Proverbs 31 ministry and they have yes. different Bible studies and courses that you go through. And you see how sometimes women are often overlooked or underlooked for various things. But then mm-hmm. going back to you talking about your mother and her vibrant energy and all the amazing things that she was doing, you begin to take on that in your journey by your six tents and you're emulating that. Yes. And you're taking different bits and pieces from what you endured in life from, you know, dealing with depression, bulimia and all of that, then dealing with your mother on her you know, health battle and et cetera. But then it seems like the silver lining in it all was God was always at the forefront and he was your saving grace to help you get through some of these trials and tribulations. But if the tests never happened, you wouldn't have the testimonies. If the mess never occurred, you wouldn't have this message to birth, birth into the world. Or um, if you never go through the fire, you're not going to be refined. And I thought about the three boys who were um, thrown into the furnace. Are you familiar with that story? Absolutely. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. (laughs) And when um, they looked in the furnace, they said, oh, we see four four people down there. And the fourth person was Jesus and Jesus was protecting them because in the natural, you would think obviously, oh, wow, the fire should have consumed them because they were in a fiery furnace. Like who doesn't get consumed? But sometimes it's just like diamonds. You won't see the beauty of a diamond unless it goes through the pressure. Right, right. It has to have it. Yes. So I want to dive deep and break down the six tents. Um, and I want you to talk about each one of them briefly, because I want to really connect that with the listeners and the viewers. Okay. That's optimistic, present, mm-hmm. energetic, courageous, wise, and intentional. And as I read them again, and after I heard you talk about your mother, I was like, she was the six tents. <laughs> She was the six tenants. She most certainly was. Yeah. You want me to walk through them? Yes, please. So I can do this in, I I often use a sailboat as an analogy because it is a perfect example of how they actually function. 
So when I talk about having an intention, I grew up sailing. My, again, my parents were missionaries and we would go to the beach down on the um, west coast of the South Korean peninsula, which is where I was raised. And uh, we had little sunfish, little laser sailboats. But if you look at a little sailboat, what you see is, of course, the, bo the boat, right? The hull. And so I call that optimistic. And when I'm living optimistically, then I kind of live with hope and anticipation of really good things that are coming. And I'm looking forward to meeting new people each day. And I'm, um, this also encompasses being positive, not necessarily like, hey, everything's going to be just fine, but knowing, right? This, the, the positive aspect of knowing or the opposite end of a battery, positive or negative, right? It's, this is the positive side and it's going to attract certain things. And then there's also, um, uh, the third, because each one of these has three pieces, like it's very detailed. And I just feel like it's very rhythmic the way it came out. But when I do that, I live in hopeful anticipation. And I'm, I'm always looking forward to the next thing and I'm proactive and I'm hopeful. So that's optimistic. So that's my hull. And if I don't have that, I can't do anything, right? So that's the first piece. The second piece of presence is what we call the centerboard, or if you're on a bigger boat, it would be the keel. So it's that piece that slides down in the middle that literally balances your Boat. Otherwise, if you have a little tiny sailboat, it will like flip over really easily. This is the thing that keeps it from flipping over. You could think of this also as like the roots of a tree. And when you're present, you are focused on kindness and beauty and gentleness and openness, right, to other people and things. And so when I'm always seeking the beauty and goodness of other people and situations, then I live more with kindness and generosity. And these people are drawn to that, right? We're all wanting to be more present. So um, that's living with presence. So you've got your hull and your centerboard, which will keep you flat, okay? The next piece is energetic. And that is your mast and your sail, right? So this is, we don't, we can generate some of our own energy like by doing certain things, but mostly it's for harnessing whatever opportunities come along, which is the wind, right? So depending on the size of your sail, that's how deep your presence needs to be. But when you actually have a sail that's up, then you're focused on, um, on energy and, or excuse me, on excitement and joy and knowing what's out there and your life focused. Because when you think about a bulb in the ground, there's life in that little bulb of the crocus that comes up through the ground. Um, and you're also, um, you understand you're, you have power, right? You understand that you as a person have a certain amount of power and how you decide to wield that and use that for the benefit of others. As Bach said, everything for the glory of God and the good of others, right? So that's, that's your three pieces so far. You have your boat, you have your centerboard and your, and your um, energetic sail. And then you have courageous, which is your rigging. So whenever you look at somebody on a sailboat and you see them pull the ropes or when they unfurl the sail, yeah, and they, they pull those ropes in, you've got to have tension in order to sail. If you don't have any tension on the sail at all, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to flap. <laughs> it's just going to be a flag, right? So these ropes of courage are things like leadership, having a vision and sharing it with others, being undaunted. I used that word a little while ago. I absolutely love it. It just means that we know how to continually um, look at hard things and say, there's a way over that. There is a way over this particular hurdle and to not just be cowering in the face of whatever we're climbing. And then it's the resilient piece of 
we're going to fall. We got to get back up, right? And when you're learning to sail or when you're learning to kayak or anything on the water, you have to be turned over and learn how to write yourself. So this is part of courage, knowing when to have tight tension and when to let it go. So that's the ropes. The wisdom, what do you think the wisdom is? Wisdom is your rudder, right? So on a bigger boat, it's that wheel. It's that big wheel that you see. Yeah, the big wheel. <laughs> and then, but on a small boat, it's, it's just a, a pole that's attached to the rudder. And this is just one little thing, or it could be your canoe paddles, right? I mean, um, but it, because you can use a canoe paddle to tell the boat exactly which direction to go. But the nice thing about a rudder is um, it's, it's always pointed forward, meaning um, it's, it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. So it's, it's the wisdom of things like um, using wise words and understanding, like understanding that there's a bigger picture, understanding that the things I say affect other people, um, and then being willing to respect others, uh, respecting ourselves and respecting those around us. So that's your rudder. Cause if you don't have that, you're not going anywhere. Going anywhere. <laughs> You're going to go where the wind takes you, right? And so um, the Apostle Paul talks about having no anchor and just being tossed around in the sea. That's what happens when you have no rudder. But then intentionality is your plan of pulling it all together and saying, okay, I have a map and I want to go over there. So I need to set my rudder here, pull my sail here, check the currents, know what's going on. And so this is when you have a plan and when you have a purpose, uh, I was raised as a planner. I'm an Enneagram six. I'm going to have a plan for everything, but having the goals and all of that, put all of that together. And then I talk about being on the beach because that's where I was raised. You can't just put your sailboat on the beach and expect to go anywhere. You've got to get it in the water. That's where the boat does what it does. So that's all part of being intentional. And then just looking behind you, um, part of your intentional in your space, are those little boats coming out from the wall? You know, they look like it. They're just little triangles. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, is she? But really I will say, you'll notice pineapples and flamingos everywhere. Okay. And for me, the pineapple is basically my logo. And that goes back to the being present and generous and open. Pineapples are the international symbol of welcome. And that's, I want everyone to come into my space and feel welcome, no matter who they are, what their background is, where they're wanting to go. I want them, my space to be a very welcome space. So there is some intentionality in the background. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And then if someone were to come up to you, Andrea, and they said, you know what, I really need help navigating my life. Can you help me do it with your six tenants? How would you guide them through what would an exercise look like? So I also call myself values driven. So in order to know where we want to go, we need to know who we are. And so that is the place I would start because the very first place you start with personal growth is awareness. So I would start with helping them understand who they are and why they think the way they think. So I would do that with values exercises, getting a disc analysis and kind of figuring out what makes them tick so that they know where they want to go. And I do that in a membership community and I do that in one-on-one -on -one work. Um, it can be very strategic or it can be very kind of loose and easy. It depends on the person. I like that because then you're taking them on a journey to look within. And if they know who they are and they know their why, then it, 
they're going to be able to use the wise piece to really navigate and steer their boat, right? Yes. And I also have a couple of courses. One is a values course, but inside my membership community, I have a course on what is intentional optimism. And it's a six module course that kind of walks you through each tenet and how we use it in our lives. Um, And I also, I kind of teach on that on my Instagram. And I have a couple of other places where you're always going to get little tips and tricks. This is not, you know, there are other people that have personal growth plans. This is just the one that works for me. This is the one that comes out of me. And if it works for you, I am happy to walk you through each and every one of them and help you be more intentionally optimistic. But then you are a reflection of your business because if someone sees that it's working for you and they're like, oh, Andrea is doing something amazing. I need to, you know, attach myself to her or I need to get some of that fire, then you could then open up the conversation and say, this is the tools and resources that I'm using to make sure I stay on track with my with my life. And this is how I can help you. And then you start to see how that collaboration and those synergies are forming. But before we wind down, Andrea, I want um, you to explain the DISC assessment because okay. that is new that's new to me but it kind of sounds similar to a Myers Briggs or Equilibrium or maybe even a Clifton Strengths I'm a little bit of a personality type junkie so I know my strengths I know my Enneagram I know my Myers Briggs I know my I know all of them um But I will say DISC is very helpful in using with communication and teams. So it it measures your behavior. Myers-Briggs measures how you process information. Enneagram measures and helps you see what you've done and how you've incorporated your experiences and how they're reflected. The DISC actually tells you how you behave in certain circumstances. So for instance, if you take it thinking about my home life, it's a little bit different than in my work life because of the way I interact with different personalities. It's a quadrant that stands that, that has the D, I, S, and C. If you think of that clockwise, D is dominant. These are only about 3% of the population. They're very black and white. Dominant sounds really terrible, but it's not. It's just, these are your, like, these are the now people. They're the go people. Give me the bottom line, right? Yeah. Snap it. The next one is I, and those are your influencers. These are your happy-go-lucky. Every This is also kind of everything is the now. Um, but in that quadrant, too, we have... Um, the people side and the, um, and the, uh, um, sorry, and the task side. So the disc is very task oriented and the, I mean, the D is very task oriented and the I is very people oriented, but they're still kind of now. And then the S is the steady. Um, the I is only 11%. The S is the steady people. These are the backbone of all your teams. This is why we create teams in our workplaces because 70% of the population are S's. And these people are very people and task oriented at the same time. They want to have, they want little conflict. They want, um, they want thing, people to get along and yet they still want it to be fun, right? So it's like, yeah. And then the C are the creatives. They're very task oriented um, and they're reserved. So these are your accountants. They're your numbers people. They, um, they're your, sometimes they're your musicians, right? They're very detail oriented. And when you have this, that's the last bit. I forget the numbers that we've had 70. So they're maybe 15% of the, of the population. I don't, I don't do math a lot. Um, but when you have 
teams made up of all these different types, it's really valuable to know who you're talking to. And so if I know I'm talking to my son who is a D, I don't give him all the details. I say, you need to do this now. <laughs> and of course he's 13. So he says, why? And I'm like, because, and, but if I try to say, well, if you do this thing and this thing and this thing, then this thing will happen, then his eyes glaze over, right? My husband is an SC. So I need, to, he needs to give me all the details and all the different scenarios he walked through, but he wants me to sit there and listen to the whole thing. And I'm a very high eye in case you hadn't noticed. And um, so when you know how to communicate with people, it really boosts your ability to do that. So if you understand who you're talking to, um, you can easily make sure that you communicate well, because it's on us to communicate with the others. And I do have a free, uh, a nice little freebie. Um, and it's a discommunication cheat sheet. So it tells you like, if you see these behaviors, then maybe this person is a whatever, and you might want to talk this way. And it even includes how to find them in children, which is very important, especially as parents, when we start learning how to teach our children and, and communicate with our children and help them learn to communicate, it's really, really helpful. So um, I'm sure I'll make sure you have all of the proper links for that so that everything, um, so that you can publish those and they work just fine, because that's totally free. And thank you so much for sharing that because that will definitely complement the six tenants and just really help someone find clarity, gain their focus and et cetera. And as we wind down, Andrea, I want you to leave us with a call to action for this segment. What do you want the listeners and the viewers to walk away with? I want you to know that you were created for a special purpose and it's really important that you do it. And if you are just floating along in your boat and you don't have that purpose, it is incumbent upon you to find it. You will be so much more fulfilled. And if I am somebody who can help you do that, please reach out. It is like, like uh, Genesis shared, we all have our unique skills and abilities and we all lead at whatever level we find ourselves. And it is important that we do that. It will enhance our lives and others. So please reach out. If I can help you, I am happy to do so. Amazing. And now, Andrea, I want you to drop your website and leave us with your social media information so our listeners and viewers can connect with you, The Intentional Optimist. Yep. My website is theintentionaloptimist.com. I am The Intentional Optimist on Instagram. I am The Intentional Optimist or Andrea Johnson on Facebook. I also have a Facebook group that's called Intentional Optimists <laughs> with an S at the end. I have a podcast called Intentional Optimists, Unconventional Leaders. Um, I also have a share cast, so I will make sure you have all of those links, but all of them can be found at theintentionaloptimist.com, intentional optimist links. So there is like a link tree, or you can just go to my Instagram and find it in my bio. It's all there. And there you have it, listeners and viewers. You just heard Andrea Johnson, the intentional optimist. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. Remember to live in optimism versus pessimism. And you were created to thrive, not just survive. Your destiny is brighter whenever you take a leap of faith. You step outside of that comfort zone and you allow the light and power within you to illuminate in dark places, dark seasons, and help other people. We were meant to be givers. 
you get more when you give. And one of the things that I've heard is it's better to give than receive. So keep that in mind. Make sure you subscribe and share the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Until we chat next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.